Yes, we need economic freedom. Yes, we need political power. Yes, we need education. Yes, we need health, mental health. We need the rights. We need all those things. But if you're not free, you're going to give all those things back and more. This principle of success is called the Mastermind Principle. The, 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 the Mastermind Your Life Podcast. Podcast. If you're wanting to realize your ideas, goals, and dreams, and on the journey of masterminding your life, it's time for the podcast made just for you. This is the Mastermind Your Life Podcast. With Tolu Owoyemi. Owoyemi. Hey, what's going on, my masterminders? Welcome to the Mastermind Your Life TV show. We got another podcast in the happening. Yo, we got James, that yoga dude Woods, aka James Woods, man, certified ET. I'm talking about ET, the hip hop preacher, certified game changer. Man, this guy's a clinically certified marriage and family therapist, man. James, welcome to the show, man. We're excited to have you here today. Thank you, Tolu. I'm excited to be here, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. You know, just before we started the show, we were in another room. You know, we were just kind of vibing and, you know, going back and forth a little bit. And tell, just tell people, you know, because I'm really interested in how yoga and the mindset, how that can uh, bring a lot of uh, positivity to our culture. That's not our culture, but to everybody right. in, in general. But kind of tell the people how you came to be who you are and how you got into yoga. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm a part of the culture that is shifting to understand that there's a different way to live and there's a way that we can live without harming ourselves and harming others as much, man. And I think that is how, that's how I see it now, but how I got into it, it wasn't about that. (laughs) How I got into it, it was more of, hey man, I'm an athlete. I need to stretch. I need to just do something physical within my body because uh, that's what I, I, that's what I thought yoga just was. I thought it just was a physical practice that I jump into and get into uh, as an athlete, as someone who was moving. But then I was really told about yoga from one of my supervisors. So as you mentioned, uh, my background is in mental health. I'm a therapist. I, you know, I sit on the couch and I listen to people talk about their problems and I say, yeah, 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 I'm that guy. And I was doing my job. So I work with a lot of youth and children and families. And I'm working with these families. I'm in and out of communities. There's a lot of communities where I've been socially impacted, low income areas and things like that, foster kids, probation, all those type of things. I'm doing the work, I'm giving everything I got. And I started getting burned out myself. And I started experiencing that same anxiety and depression and stress and fatigue that I'm trying to come in there and help them with. Wow. And one of my supervisors noticed this. He was like, yo, James, you're not your usual, you know, you're not your usual self. What's going on? Maybe you should try some uh, some yoga. Now, she was one of those supervisors that always said something on point. She was always on meetings and stuff. So her word had some value to me. But I was still like, you know what, yoga, uh, that's for skinny white ladies. I can't do that. That ain't for me. And, you know, oh, you have to see me, I'm not skinny or white or a lady. And so... She kept telling me about it, and finally I was like, "Yeah, man, let me try something." Cause I'm just, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not feeling all the way right. And uh, man, I ain't gonna never forget it. I get to the studio, and the first thing hit me is like, smell a little funky in here. 
It's my little like musty and stuff in this yoga studio. And I, I'm yeah. like, weird. And I look around and there's nothing but women in there. And there's women that are older than me by like 20 years or something like that. So I'm the youngest guy in there. I'm the only guy in there. And I'm thinking I'm about to kill it. Like you said, I'm about to work out all the time, strong. I got this, I'm about to kill it. I'm thinking it's just a physical thing. And we start out with this weird breathing and relaxing stuff. I'm like, okay, this is weird, but it is what it is. I look to my left, I look to my right. We start getting into these different postures and moves. And then we get into this downward facing dog. Mm. My arms start shaking. I start sweating and breathing hard. <laughs> I'm looking to my left and to my right. And these old ladies are just killing it. They just look so peaceful and calm. But uh, I make it through the downward dog. I make it through all the poses and postures. And at the end of the class, man, I just had like this peaceful experience. Mm. I felt relaxed, I felt calm. All that anxiety and depression that I was going through and feeling, just for, for that class period. And at the end, it just paused, it stopped for a second. And then, man, I got up when I was leaving and feeling good and getting back to the real world. And I was like, yo, this is something that I really want to bring to the people that I work with. Yeah. It's something that I feel like can help along with the mental health stuff that I'm doing. This is also some some stuff that I can bring into their life as well as mine. And man, I've been doing it ever since. So I got hooked. Wow. Now that's a that's a very interesting story because you know, one interesting aspect is that, you know, who you surround yourself with, you know, energy is very contagious. Right. And you know, being around because it's not easy to be in those communities uh you're coming from a background of went to college you know you're certified what were some of the things that you were seeing like over and over again in these communities and talking to these families that started weighing down on you or started kind of uh affecting your energy a lack of real belief in themselves and a lack of them being able to see outside of this situation so a lot of these families were situations that either they grew up low income or they happened to come across some hard times and then they became low income and then they felt like all they were was what the system saw them as. You in probation? Oh, that means I'm a trouble kid. You a foster kid? Nobody want me. Um, you know, you having some issues at school? I'm a bad kid. And then the parents would take that identity on too and they just, you know, this is who I am, I'm a bad parent, I was on drugs before, I don't have no money, I don't have this, I don't have that. It was always a sense of lack. Um, and you know, not even the ones, the families that I work with, who were low, who were not low income, who had the, the means and everything like that, it still will be really helping them with the sense of lack that they have about themselves. Um, you know, I'm not this enough, I'm not that enough, I'm too brown, I'm too black, I'm too purple, I'm too green, whatever it was. And those things, man, they really cause a lot of issues that we that we know about depression and anxiety and and all the symptoms that come from that so really working with them to see themselves as greater than what they thought they were and to really help them connect with who they truly truly who they truly truly are connecting with who they truly are man that was a big part of the work that i did got you and it's the the concept of self-image how right. we see ourselves because we live in a society that has these super structures that are built like you said low income housing like 
you're this this is who you are and it does such a great job of trying to reinforce that stereotype of trying to um condemn them to this self-image it it's it's almost like itself trying to build them up into there's this famous meme uh and is this uh cat looking into the mirror but when you look at the mirror is a lion right that is looking back and, it, and i think the quote goes it doesn't matter how the world sees you it matters how you see yourself 100 you know it's easier said than done because you know there's always that argument of nature versus nurture you know if you're nurtured in the environment that never gave you that opportunity to see yourself as a lion to see yourself as somebody that can go out and conquer and dominate and, and, and attain resources and build a better life for yourself i can see and we see it all the time you know we see it in different situations and why did he kill her and why what happened with this and this is so weird and what's going on over and you just like again that cookie cutter mm-hmm. the box environment it causes pipes to burst man man i think that's a great analogy of how you put it and pipes bursting looks like depression anxiety pipes bursting looks like violence against other people you know what somebody's trying to fit me in this box i don't fit in this box so let me go out and fight somebody let me go out and stab somebody shoot somebody or this box really don't work for me so let me go out and cut on my wrist let me go out and you know, sell my body or try to get validation through drugs, through alcohol, any way to feel more comfortable with the discomfort of not fitting in the box that society puts me in. And it's a, it's something that we all face. Like I said, it don't matter how much money you got. It don't matter what color you are. It don't matter what experiences you've had education wise. If you don't feel in yourself that you are valid, you are good, you are enough, you're going to struggle. It's going to be an issue and it's something that I, I feel like if not most of us all of us have struggled with at a time or someone has tried to put us in a box someone has tried to tell us this is who we are supposed to be and it doesn't really align with who we truly are but nine times out of ten we don't take the time to get to know who we are to really see, to do anything that's aligned with our true self and when you're a child when you're a kid and you have your parents telling you, your teachers telling you, your probation officer, the homeboys telling you that this is who you are. It takes a lot to say, nah, that ain't working for me. You know, I see a lion in the mirror. I don't see uh, a incarcerated individual. I don't see a person who is, you know, stuck on drugs and addiction and things like that. And those, you know, those people, they struggle like we all struggle. That's what for a child to say, I get to control the, who I see. I get to make that choice to, to see who and be who I be. It's a big part of um, the work that I do and I love to do. And it's gonna take some tools to do that. It's gonna take a lot of tools to be able to do that. That's why I like your mastermind show and everything because it, it's gonna take an effort for more than just one person to see in somebody else that, hey man, when we put our minds together, we can really create that line in the image, in, in, in the mirror. We can really do that work. So. I appreciate the work that you do, man. You know what? I think, let's be real, you know, this is America and, you know, 400 plus years of slavery. That's yesterday or two days ago. What was her name? Micaiah Bryant, you know, right after the George Floyd, you know, 
prosecution of uh, Derek uh, Chauvin. And you just see things like that, that that's the underlying cause. You know, those are the things that we're fighting against. And I think when you look at the entire population of Blacks within America, we're right. I mean, obviously there's a new class that's emerging, that's more tuned to, we got to bring all of us out of here. We got to rise up. We got to heal. Like we got to learn finances, game. But there's still that deeply embedded psyche within the masses. If you could just take all of the black masses and kind of analyze their mindset or their psyche, you know, a lot of it is still saturated with the undertones of low self-esteem. You know, it's like a lot of deficient or attributes that we didn't we didn't say this is what kind of human beings we wanted to do, but they were implanted externally. But the question I had for you was. What what because some people could see this and say, man, that ain't fast enough. Like that's not gonna really bring me money. Like that's not what made you resonate and be like, you know what? I wanna be empathetic. I wanna I wanna connect with this. I wanna be able to impact these people. I wanna be able to develop relationships with them and help them heal. Like, where did that come from? Looking at the whole picture. I can't sit here and say it's been a planned thing out, but as it continues to resolve and un, as my life just continues to roll out, um, like you said, man, the, the structures of oppression and racism are all about dehumanization. Somebody trying to tell us that we not human. We belong as slaves, we belong as products, we belong as X, Y, Z. And me, I have just always wanted and had a deep desire for a sense of freedom. And you never gonna be free if you don't feel like you're human. Cause you know, freedom isn't for humans. You know, people are like, uh, freedom is like a human concept or- Yeah, feel free to feel free. Feel free to feel free, that's the word, man. So for me, it's not about deciding to be empathetic. It's just allowing myself to be human. Cause I feel like we, I know we are all empathetic. That's what keeps us connected. That's what makes us have love for each other. That's what makes us want to get up in the every day and continue to do it. And a lot of times we try to, you know, somebody tell you that you're not human. So you like, okay, if I'm not human, I can at least be a rich product. I can be, I can at least have money as someone as an object. I can at least have status. I can at least have this, you know. So mm-hmm. it's a battle on all different fronts. Yes, we need economic freedom. Yes, we need political power. Yes, we need education. Yes, we need health, mental health. We need the rights. We need all those things. But if you're not free, you're gonna give all those things back and more. You're gonna continue to put yourself back in the state of being enslaved by whatever they value the most. Cause you can have all the money in the world, but if you constantly trying to give it to somebody else so you can show how much value you have. Oh, I got this house, look how much value I got. Oh, I got this sense of power, look how much value I got. And ain't nobody can give me my value. Nobody can, t- nobody can give me my value. So not an economic system, not a political system, not an educational system. So as I continue to learn myself, it's like, man, I'm the only one that can really give myself the freedom to be who I am. So let me do the work to figure out what freedom really is for me. And as I continue to do the work, I have more empathy for myself. That makes me have more empathy for other people. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, man, I understand you going through it just like I'm going through it. 
And the only way for me to really be free is for having is to have everybody around me as free as possible. So we're not constantly shackled by by the um, you know, shackled yeah, by all the stuff. I, I think uh it's it's an interesting evolution. Uh if me and you lived 150, 200 years ago, right. you know, the conversation we'll be having is a whole lot different from you know what we're doing right now. You know, what you what's you talking over there about? You know, it, it was like, boy, <laughs> what's going on over there? Oh, you you know how to read, huh? <laughs> right, 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 right. Um I think the the this they said it's uh, better to build boys to be men. It's easier to build boys to be men than to fix broken men because, you know, mindset is everything in life. Mm-hmm. The way you see things, you know, why does that thing, your perspective on that thing, what does that perspective do for you in your life? Like, your perspective manifests everything in your life. Like, oh man, this is a horrible situation. This, that, and the third. And I ain't never gonna get this out of, you know, might as well just go ahead, you know, hit the corner. Or, you know what, this is tough, man, but I need I need things to toughen me up. So, you know, I'm, I'm gonna have to handle a lot of things in life. Like, this is just another learning opportunity for me to get out there and, you know, better myself as a man, as a person. When you when you see these families, when you talk to these children, when you talk to these kids, what what are some of the techniques? Like, how do you assess where they at, and then kind of put together a treatment plan or a um, a strategy to kind of get them to a better positive future? It was this one kid. Now I'm in California. And I used to work in an area called Long Beach. Y'all know about Long Beach because that's where Snoop from, LBC. Yeah. He was a kid and he was, as they say, cripping hard. He was. That's that, ooh, ah, ah, Summertime, LBC. Yeah. You know about that, man. <laughs> yeah, man. It was a kid. He was 16 years old. And by the time I met him, Tats on his hand from the hood, tats on his neck and everything. Like, you could tell he was really a sweet kid, came from a sweet family, but he was just gang banged out. And his mind was all about survival. So when you talk about perspective, he was constantly looking over his shoulder. I would take him around in my car and he would be anxious, you know, if I took him anywhere that you know, was outside of his little protective zone and stuff because he was constantly focused on survival, constantly focused on thriving. But when I took him out of the places that he knew the enemy was or he knew his hood was or whatever, he was able to relax and he was able to actually have a conversation with me and talk about the dreams he had and what he wanted for himself and what he saw himself possibly doing. So being able to take those kids out of their environment that they feel their only option is to survive is a huge thing that I would do to help them start to move into a mindset of thriving instead of just surviving, of developing dreams and goals beyond just, am I gonna make it through the night? Um, Do I gotta pull this mission? Do I gotta make this thing happen? Because my enemies or even my hood, they'll do something to me if I don't keep in the survival mode. And as he was able to start thinking beyond, 
his mind and his behavior started to shift. But sadly, man, it was one day I came back to visit, just happened to be in the area. This was after we stopped working with each other. And I walk up to the house and I'm thinking he ain't gonna be there because he was always running the streets. And I see his mama, he had a bunch of little brothers and sisters and cousins and stuff. I see all them and they like, yeah, he in there. What? He in the house? And I walk in the living room because he used to have to sleep on the couch. I'm like, okay, he's not here. And he's like, yeah, um, he in the back. And they was kind of acting weird. He in the back, he over there. And then finally I kind of go back in there and I see this young man sitting up in a bed with bullet wounds and tubes and all this stuff. And she was, man, he was laying up in his big hospital bed in the middle of the room, shot up at 17, 18 years old. And I talked to him and he was, it was crazy because he was, he was still in gangbang mode. He was still like, hey man, we got to do this. But then he looked at me in my eyes and was like, man, I wish I would have listened to you. I wish I would have listened to what you was trying to say. So he felt like he still was in that survival mode and he couldn't even get out of it. But he knew that there was more. So I always hope, man, that he can really grasp that there's more for him as he continues to grow and, you know, pray he survives and stuff. But yeah, man, it was a huge strategy for me to be able to take them outside of their physical area or even take them outside just mentally by doing some of these meditative practices by showing them something different, by helping them use their phone, their Instagram, their TikTok, to look at images of something beyond where they were. Cause sometimes, you know, they scroll and all they scroll is what they know. Mm. How, to get, how to get shoes, how to get cars, how to get clothes, how to get money, girls, boys, whatever it is, drugs. You know, I see a lot of these kids and they just, all the Instagram is holding up guns, holding up drugs, holding up gun signs, gang signs, and it's like, yo, what if you follow somebody that's doing something a little bit different? You might have one person on your timeline that's talking about something positive that's going to just ring in the back of your head throughout your day and could shift your life. So even for me, going from a mindset of just trying to survive at this job to understanding that there's really no limit to how free I can be as soon as I shift my mind. So meditation, showing them different images and physically taking them out of their area with some strategies that I use to help them change their perspective. Wow, that's, um, that's deep because you went from trying to pit him in a better position to walking in and seeing him shot up with tubes in his chest. Yeah. Uh, and I know Long Beach, that's that's real that's the that's almost like one of the main spirits of gang culture you know it's really really concentrated there's a lot of strongholds and people that rep that and you know they they convert other people to it and look this is the mission and like right let's do or die like this is what we do around here like you better know what's like you in it like there is no this is another life and but i do thank god you know things are changing you know people are seeing like entrepreneurs rise up like entrepreneurs people are seeing like you know instagram you're seeing people that look just like you people that have been through worse situations rising up making something out of themselves the um when okay so how do people get referred to you is it a government facility and then maybe when somebody gets into trouble or something like that they're sent to the facility to hey look 
you need to calm down like you need to go ahead and you know have somebody like maybe you could assign you a therapist like how, how does that work cool yeah so i'm actually no longer practicing as a therapist i'm full-time doing a yoga programming and we integrate the yoga the mindfulness the meditation the clinical and therapeutic techniques that i have so i'm gonna be real I, I I had to leave working with this system and stuff, and it was just. Mm, did you, did like, you leave because you felt like change ain't gonna come from this? Like I gotta step out on my own and develop these programs to make this change happen. Right, I felt like I can make a greater impact doing what I'm doing now than working in the current system that I was working in. Um, and, you know, it's a place for everybody. Like we talked about, man, it's all different fronts. Okay. Could, could you touch on that a little bit? Like sure. what you felt was about that place that you were like, you know what? I got to kind of ease on. I got to kind of leave this environment and manifest my own programs and start developing my own curriculum. Like why did Because some people be like, you know what? And you do see that person that maybe stayed there 20 years, 25 years and they don't have that spark of life to say, you know, I'm actually making this just eight o'clock in Monday. I'm out, you know, and get the paycheck. Oh, he got shot. Okay, that's it. I go in my little car, pay my little bit. Like, what were some of the things that you saw that you were like, you know what? I appreciate y'all, but I got I got to step out. Like you said, man, it was me being, having passion for the work that I did. And I saw people who lost that passion over time. And it became a game of nine to five. Let me stay in here another five years to get this pension. Let me stay in here another 10 so I can travel here to, you know, to this position and navigate the thing in that way. And so I wanted my focus and my passion to all be on the work that I did instead of the position that I had. I did not want to be disgruntled in my workplace and possibly have the lives of children in my hands doing it. And I take my hat off to anybody who does do that. I take my hat off to anybody who has stayed because we definitely need people in the system to work in that light and continue to do the great things that they do. So, um, man, I'm very I'm very grateful to have been a part of the, the system that goes in and helps families and children. I'm very grateful to have that time. It taught me a lot and I'm appreciative of it, but it just didn't work for me and how I felt about the service that I provided. Um, so, you know, I, I'm an emotional guy and I'm teaching personal the work that I did. And I took it personal from how families and children were treated as well as how I was treated. Um, and you, you know, so they say nine to five ain't for everybody. And it took me a little bit of a while to figure that out. Like, man, this, this is not for me. And, um, and with that comes its own challenges, most definitely. It ain't, you know, you don't just jump off the job and, and land in a place where, hey, I ain't got no boss, everything is cool. Nah, it's still a struggle, still challenges and everything. But for me and my personality and my mindset, I felt like I can serve my passion more effectively if I built my own, instead of being connected to the systems that trained me and taught me and gave me a lot of encouragement and empowerment. So it was just a decision that I had to make for myself and my heart. Got you. And I think, you know, it's interesting to see and you see dozens of stories, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of stories whereby people talk about the the suffocation, you know, inside that nine to five and I right, can't right, breathe right. and my dreams being killed and it felt like that light was kind of being, you know, put it out 
uh and when they go out into the real world and you're seeing all these monsters and creatures and you know you got to defend yourself you got to start paying bills you, you know like there's a lot of things like okay you got to be ex extremely disciplined you got to do marketing you know your tech like there's so many different things that come with being your own entrepreneur because now you are more in control of your destiny right but is a lot loose you know yeah. is this the structure by the system is different from when you're trying to implement the structure in your own life because it's like this is my first time creating the structure right 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 uh and you know i'm excited because this kind of tailwinds into you know for profit and you know uh, et the hip-hop preacher and you know from because you know the the interesting thing is that since you worked with a uh kind of government facility mm -hmm. your programs you can gain funding from the government programs to say okay this is what my offering is but could you talk about like the game changes and what made you decide to sign up for that and then what were the first couple of like weeks to months for you in that program like right most definitely yeah it is once you become independent and leave the nine to five prepare to become exposed it's going to expose all those places where you are not disciplined in your time you're not disciplined in your thinking you're not disciplined in your finances it's going to expose you and if you are in a system that helps you manage yourself and become your own boss you might as well start putting applications in right now because you're gonna have to go back and do all that and that's okay um i was fortunate enough to have time and support to be able to develop those skills and i have done a lot of development myself man et and the game changers has not been my first personal development seminar webinar uh i'm going without a lot of luxuries and stuff because i invested into books i invested into coaches i invested into going to workshops and groups and all kinds of stuff to really dig in and, and figure out what's best for me and game changers was like that on another level Did you tell us about some of those books or coaches or mentors or workshops that you were involved like do, is there any notable ones that you remember that kind of helped uh condition you uh yeah insight seminar was one uh, this is one in LA when it really it, it digs into kind of the mental blockages um, and it was a couple of those like that we're really focused on the mental as a therapist I've definitely been in therapy for a while myself just to really have that space um, man it's been what books the power of now we was talking about that being being mindful um seven uh, the daily successful habits i'm looking to the left at my library i got books all over the place man i spent a lot on books uh oh man it's just so many uh malcolm x that book really helped me to see myself different um man a lot of books on psychology and mindset and books on just developing and believing yourself i've never read et's book i haven't i haven't read it yet but um Man, it's so many. I, I can't even. I actually put down and think it's a lot. But yeah, and I'm always getting different coaches and all that kind of stuff. Always more, more, more. Uh, I read every day. I read 20 pages a day at the minimum, and doing research and stuff on my time, thinking on myself, um, and even just being in the yoga 
being in the yoga world, me going to my yoga teacher training program was transformational. So like I said, it was in Long Beach. I was in Long Beach at the time. And uh, real quick story, I'm walking down the street and I see this brother just sweeping out this building. Mm -hmm. All skinny black man. He's like, man, you gonna try, come in and try yoga? I'm like, oh wow, okay, y'all do that. This so, randomly out of nowhere, you just walking down the street. I was so random, man. Wow. As a good brother I know now, he's a yoga instructor, instructor called Blackwater. And then later on, I ended up, I don't know how I ended up coming back to the studio and they had an auction for a yoga teacher training. So mm. yoga teacher training can be up to like three grand, four grand, five grand. And I didn't have the money like that at the time, but they, it was an auction and the, you know, the lowest bid wins the yoga teacher training. And I happened to put the lowest bid in by probably about $20 or something like that. And I won and it was like, okay, I had no intentions of being a yoga teacher, but I won the program and it really helped me to look at myself. That's why I quit my job. I quit my job because they're in a yoga teacher program. It gave me the belief in myself and the confidence to be like, hey, James, you have another skill now. You have another way to look at yourself and you have something of value to offer to the market that you can help other people with, not just the therapy stuff. Let's invest into it. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. So, and that's not uncommon. A lot of people go through yoga teacher training and they be like, I quit. I'm done. I'm, just, I'm free now. But, um, uh, but yeah, man, I just, and I, I would like to get back to you with some of the books because yeah, I got to recall those in programs and stuff because I think that's very beneficial. But the ET Game Changer program has been powerful. I'm still in it. I'm in the inner circle now. And it's been powerful, like you said, and we said to see people who look like me and share some of the cultural language that that made me feel comfortable and that made me feel like I could connect in a different way. I have been through other programs where, you know, I was the only black man in the space. And that's cool too. But to see ET and CJ and Carl and all them brothers, and they just seem so regular, you know, like no knock against them, but they like, we regular dudes, man. We just decided to work hard on the plan and the thing worked. And so the first couple of weeks within the program, it was really exciting to be a part of the boot camp and see them and hear from them. And then we got into the coaching and it was like, all right, it's time to work. So as I said, during the boot camp thing, I came in with a little bit of ego because, you know, I was like, man, I've been speaking for a while. I'm doing this yoga thing. I got it. And they really let you know you ain't got it. <laughs> Coach Val, man. She's saying, Coach Val, right. You already know. <laughs> that switchblade. Slice you what up. You what you say? Right. <laughs> and, you know, it's slicing away the parts of you that are going to prevent you from taking it to the next level. Mm. I'm not going to go let you leave out carrying a bunch of stuff that's going to hold you down, man, hold you back. So uh, we started with a good number of people and not everybody made it. A lot of people fell off because, you know, she pulled out that switchblade and people don't want to hear that they suck. People don't want to hear, and she don't say it like that, but people don't want to hear what I'll say. I did not want to hear that what I had built for the last six years was not going to take me to the next level. But that's exactly why I showed up. I wanted some strategies. I wanted some tools. I wanted some support. I wanted a community that was going to help me go to the next level. So I had to leave behind my independent thinking of like, all right, this is what I've been doing forever. This was, you know, I got 20 likes on Instagram. So that means I'm pumping, I'm doing my thing. Like, nah, 
let's really do it the right way. Let's let's do it the right way. So yeah, those first couple of weeks is really learning that it's okay to be coached even more. It's okay to listen and learn. It's okay to let go of what I thought I had to get something that's even better and greater. And so yeah, some solid techniques and, and tools that I use. So it's just really been a great program. I enjoy it, man. Yeah, nah, it's it's dope people over there, and yeah. it's interesting to see people of uh, different and similar mindsets. Because basically, yeah. if you're coming in there, is because you have some type of growth mindset. Right. Uh, the, it's interesting because what you're trying to accomplish, it the program, the building, the structure, the the staff, the the schools, you know, um, and kind of just going into the masses, into society, and impacting them. I wanted to talk. How how do you monetize? Because obviously you got to keep a roof over your head. You've got to be able to pay your bills, and then you know having money so that you can start uh, building out more robust programs, more outreach, being able to pitch yourself in positions to multiply the effect that you're having positively on the community. But how do you how do you monetize now? Like, what are your strategies? And I'm interested. I know a lot of people that maybe want to get into speaking engagements and things of like being a self entrepreneur and they have a message and they want to get things out there. But how have you been able to successfully monetize? Schools got money. Institutions got money. And being able to solve the problem of those institutions puts me in a position to get paid for it. So you got schools who have a bunch of young boys who are causing problems because they're getting suspended, they're rowdy or whatever like that. And they're looking for something that's going to help them. And we've identified yoga. We've identified the clinical practices and, and meditation and mindfulness as some definite tools to help those young boys, to help those young girls, even to help the staff themselves who have to deal with the stress and burnout. So it's real simple. We've identified the problems of the institutions that have the money and we bring them a solution. Schools have a budget, after school programs have a budget, boys and girls club, these places have budgets. And a lot of people I think approach them as in uh, it's kids. So we wanna just come in there and work with kids. I've done, I've done a whole lot of volunteering. I'm still doing volunteering. I'm still doing a whole lot of free stuff because I love what I do. And it also gives a chance to put what I do out there and in the hands of the people who can put uh, put the money out there so I can keep doing what I'm doing and, and grow and learn and develop, you know? So yeah, really understanding that institutions have what's needed for income. And that's why I said I'm so grateful for my time of working a job because it taught me that. It taught me that, okay, if they really want something, they got the money for it. And just coming correct and making sure you put put it in the package that's that they can purchase but yeah that's right now that actually um uh makes sense now um it's interesting because young boys how do young boys process and deal with anger compared to older people from what mm. you know? <laughs> that's a good question i think most of the time young boys are not even aware what that emotion is. Wow. They just naturally feel the physical reaction to it. How you feel? My body tight, my hands are hot, my chest is hot. 
feel like fighting. I feel like they, they identify the behavior as what they feel. So I'm, I'm asking you how you feel as in give me an emotion and you tell me, I don't feel like swinging on you. I feel like, you know, walking away, I feel like running. So helping them to process their emotions is helping them to name it. You know what I'm saying? They say, if you name it, you can tame it. If you can understand that, okay, I'm angry. So what are the things that you do when you are angry? Okay, you can breathe, you can relax. Okay, and you also notice when you're angry, your shoulders start to tighten up, right? Yeah, I can relax my shoulders. I can think about it. It's important to be able to give them a language for their emotions, because when we're talking about emotions, we're talking about the brain and the body. So, you know, you got the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain, and you also got the the old brain, the lizard brain, as they call it, and then you got the frontal lobe, you got the, you know, the, the prefrontal cortex in the brain. So these emotions come from that old brain that we have. That caveman brain was all about fight or flight. Either I gotta fight something or I gotta run. And as young boys are in this process of being angry or something disrupting them, they just activate that old brain and all they can all they can think about is I'm angry, I'm I'm uh, my body, I gotta fight or I gotta fight. So mm. once you once you help them to identify that they are in that mode, like, yo, you angry right now. You are frustrated right now. You are X, Y, Z right now. Then the logical brain can kick in. It's like, okay, yeah, I am angry. So now logically I can express that and say, yeah, I'm angry. And then this is what I do when I'm angry so I don't get in trouble. And it's constantly practicing that. So a lot of young boys stay in that space of I'm in my old, you know, the only brain, the lizard brain, and what they call it. So all I know is fight or flight and what to do. And you know, as men, our brain doesn't fully develop until about 25. So we are still in that space where we operate and we're trying to figure out how to operate from our emotional side, as well as from our logical side. We still struggle with that. Women, they mature at about 18, and you know, you see that. Uh, quick story, I remember actually on my 25th birthday, I was in Inglewood at the time. Wow. Are you? Where are you from, man? In Maryland, but I, I've, man, Inglewood? Inglewood, always up to no good. Man. Manchester over there? <laughs> Right off of Manchester, man. Over there by the, uh, mm. right over there, man. Right Killers. There. Killers, man. Killers. It, is. it was an interesting place to live, man. Um, I was 20, they, they building a new stadium and all that now, so it's definitely changing a lot. But LAX, right? LAX. Right by LAX, yeah, yeah. Got you. Got it, man. Barely. Stand up, all right. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm 25, man, and somehow I was able to get up in time to go to a yoga class. Because the night before I was celebrating my 25th birthday, it was, uh, what's the name of that club? I can't remember the name of the club. We turned up, it was a crazy night. Everybody partying, celebrating. I decided to get up and go to my usual yoga class, man. And I'm, I'll make it to the yoga class and make it to the mat. And to start off the yoga class, we usually do 15 minutes of meditation. They cut the music on and everything. I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I start just kind of hearing these voices and these like these things of like, yo, you're 25, you should have a house by now. You should have this kind of car, you should have this kind of job. You should have this, da da da, 25, this, that, 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 that. And then I started noticing like, yo, these are thoughts about me being 25 
that I wasn't even thinking about now. Like, why are these thoughts all in my head? And it was the first time I was able to understand that I was not my thoughts. Because mm. I was okay for where I was at at 25, but these thoughts was trying to tell me something different. So I was like, whoa, I'm not my thoughts. This is something I'm thinking, I'm feeling like this. I'm feeling good, but my, my, my thoughts is just telling me this, 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 that, and the third. And it was like, oh, and meditation and yoga is, is all about that. Like, it's just you being able to observe your thoughts and not get caught up in them, all right? Mm. So a lot of times when we're younger, all we feel like is that we are our thoughts and emotions. Man, somebody told me that uh, I'm a punk. I ain't no punk. I gotta, I ain't no punk. So you start getting caught up in that thought of I ain't no punk. And then you do stuff to make sure that you prove you ain't no punk. Oh, I gotta fight him, I gotta do this. I ain't stupid, somebody said, you get caught up in those thoughts. But if you're able to catch that thought and be like, wow, that's just the thought, that's all it is, is what it is. You can keep on going and live about your day and do what you gotta do. And at 25, that was probably the first time I had that realization after doing yoga and stuff and helping, especially young boys, to start to notice and catch their thoughts and catch their feelings. Like, yo, this is what I'm feeling right now. This is what I'm thinking. Let me still act accordingly so I don't end up in a place I, I don't want to be. So it's a it's a process, but yeah, yeah, it's still possible for it to, have, to help these young boys get their mind right as we say um one of, one of the things that always whenever somebody talks to me about yoga i always think about breathing like people like what's the the thinking or like the benefits of like the the deep breathing and the breathing exercises and the special ways somebody's supposed to be able to breathe when we talk about I know, especially in my community, we talk about people having bad nerves. Oh, I can't do this because I got bad nerves. I'm stressed out. My nerves is bad. And a lot of times people, I remember especially, uh, people who had bad nerves used to smoke cigarettes. Mm. Let me smoke this cigarette to calm my nerve. And yes, nicotine has a chemical reaction in the brain, but also the act of breathing in and out. So our body has a natural nerve calmer. So when we talk about nerves, we talk about the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. These are these same fight or flight mechanisms in the body that give us the adrenaline rush to hurry up and get out of there or to fight, that give us the, the focus and the attention to be able to calm ourselves and relax ourselves down. So when we breathe, we activate the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system to help ourselves calm down. And the word yoga means to unite, bring, means to bring together. I mean, union yoga. And what are we uniting? We're uniting our brain with our with our body. So we, we're uniting our mind, our body, our brain. We're bringing them all together. Because a lot of times when our nerves is bad, that means our mind is one place and we hear and we're trying to... So when we breathe in, we bring it all together. And having those deep breaths activate the chemicals in the brain and reactions in the brain to let your body and your brain know, hey, you good. You all right. You ain't got to fight. You ain't got to run. You good right here. So even if you right now, if you sit and take three deep breaths, it's going to change the way you feel. It's going to change the way you feel. It might not make you feel better. It might not make you feel as calm as you want to, but it's going to shift your emotions. So if you're angry, it's going to shift it to something else. If you're um, sad, it's going to shift it to something else. Like, like I said, anytime you smoke a cigarette, you drink some alcohol, you do something, it's because you want to shift how you feel to something else because you're uncomfortable. So breathing is a natural shifter of your emotion and your mindset. And when we combine that with those physical movements and postures in yoga, we doing something to make ourselves feel good. Nah, it's, it's interesting because 
uh, I believe yoga. I'm I'm not 100 sure on this, but it came more from like the uh, Indian type, uh, like spirituality and culture, and this has been in their practice for a long time. And you know, it's interesting because when you see them or their culture, they I mean, I'm not a specialist or expert, but they seem more peaceful, you know, more open, more welcoming. And um, I have heard of like. Uh, meditation and yoga, like uh, for like de-stressing and like conflict resolution. And right. I think there was a video that I saw that you had like some kid. He was about to go into this like tantrum. He was about to let loose, and then his brother was like, "No, breathe, breathe in." Right, right, right. Breathe out. Like he was like, "Okay, look, look." And he was like, the brother was like, "Boy, I'm I'm about to I'm about to blow a cap in here. Like about to turn loose in here. Incredible." Oh, he was like, "Hold on, hold on, hold on. Calm, calm down." Like, and then you know the brother. Was, right, right, right. Like this, this little joint work. My air flow coming through my nostrils. Joint. Oh, right. You know I'm calm now, and um, I. I feel like as human, like we're so busy, we don't even pay attention to that. Like, right. I, I, I'm not thinking about bro. I gotta go. I gotta go, go get go on the job. I gotta get in the car. I gotta show up at the appointment. I gotta go. Pick, like, you just we're so back and forth, and I feel like that's what happens to a lot of people. Like yoga, I don't know, but you can tell us. You know, as we begin to wrap up and everything, but is it a way for people to kind of slow down a little bit in life and kind of like? observe their surroundings themselves like their thoughts and you know where they at and how they're thinking and is this the destination you want to be in life and try to make a deep like what are some of the the life effects of yoga that you see all the above as we talked about it when we are environments of high stress nine times out of ten it is our mind is constantly focused on things on the external about survival, about being safe, about getting enough. So you're constantly in a state of lack, you're constantly in a state of fear, you're constantly in a state of survival. It's hard for you to honestly take a look at yourself and who you are, what you want and how you operate and X, Y, Z. And nowadays people are most are afraid because they haven't done it so long. People be afraid to really look at who they are because it might not measure up to who they see on Instagram. It might not measure up to who they tell the world that they are. But yoga is definitely a pause button on all that. Mm. Yoga is you taking control of your life and saying, I'm not going to rush. I'm not going to move from A to B in this because it's about that space in between A to B where your life really is. That space that you have to calm and kind of think about things and reflect in that space that you have to really go on the inside. Because we're so focused on what's happening around us, we lose focus on what's happening within us. Who are we coming? Who are we becoming? Who do we know ourselves to be? What makes me feel good? Not what everybody tell me what makes me feel good. What, what, what doesn't feel good? What makes me feel free? What makes me feel like I'm being honestly myself? And yoga gives you a safe space to do that and creates a safe space within yourself. Because a lot of people don't feel safe within their own head. Because as soon as they wake up, those thoughts start running. I ain't this, I ain't that, I don't have this, I don't have that. So as soon as those thoughts start running, they start running to Instagram, email, um, the TV or whatever, so they can get out of that. But yoga helps you breathe, 
and gives your body permission to relax and release mm -hmm. all that tension so you can have access to that safe space within you. And a lot of us have never even felt safe within ourselves because we grew up in environments, parents yelling at us, friends yelling at us. So you just always felt unsafe. So when we practice in yoga, we are constantly constructing a safe space within ourselves, not safety within our bank account, not safety within our car or our spouse to make us feel valid and safe, but really that safety within ourselves, like, hey, I'm good. I got what I need. I am who I am. And this makes me feel good about myself. And so that's why yoga is a practice, as in every day I get up, I get on my mat, I spend time with my breath, I spend time with my body to honor where it is and to continue to create a relationship of safety within it. And that's a practice that you gotta do, you know, because sometimes if LeBron James stops shooting tomorrow, he gonna miss some shots. He's not gonna um, make those same buckets. So it's, it's always something attacking your safety within. It's always something telling you that you ain't good enough, that you ain't blah, blah, blah. So taking, yo taking yoga is you creating that safe space within yourself while pressing pause on all the extra things outside of your life and realizing all the beautiful things within you and within your life. Mm. That, that's powerful. Love that. Um, you know, as we kind of get down to the, the last couple of minutes, this has been an awesome uh, interview. Um, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, your book, your author, uh, Prince yeah. Tummy Tut. Timmy Tut and the Pyramid Adventures and Timmy Tut and the Meditating Mummies. So we have two books in this series here. Um, so for a couple of years, me and my homeboy, DeVille Jackson, we had a mentor program out here in the Inland Empire. This is about an hour outside of LA. We worked the with 100 you. Black Men of the in Inland Empire? Oh yeah, that's another, yep, that's it. That's another association that we with, man. 100 Black Men, they, they all over the world, all over the nation. And they do great work, especially mentoring young Black men. Um, but we, we had our own little mentor program that we run every other Saturday. And DeVille, he was going to school in New York. And then I was going to school in LA, so we had to put a pause on the program. But we knew we just couldn't leave these boys. And we wanted to leave behind some tools that they could have so they can still continue to navigate life. And we we just figured, hey man, the best way we could do it is leave the tools that we have been working on in this mentoring setting, just put it in the book. And we know not all kids read and struggle and stuff, but we really put it in a fun book. It has color illustrations and cool stories. It's not a lot of words. It's about just Timmy getting to the story. And it's really for like third graders, second graders, and their parents. Mm. So it's teaching Timmy how to deal with anger. It's teaching him how to deal with sadness, self-doubt, and it's using the tools, some of the tools that we talked about today, affirmations and breathing. And it incorporates him going back in time to ancient Egypt. And just really quickly, yeah, uh, India has been prominently known as the the mother of um, modern yoga. Mm -hmm. But even that, as you see on the pyramid walls, you see those in the hieroglyphics, you got it. You see the in ancient Kemet in Egypt and all that. You see those people getting themselves in those positions doing the yoga poses. So they say, you know, yoga really moved down from Africa into India where it's all But yeah, Timmy goes back to Africa 
he learns that he's a prince and he learns his power and then he brings it back to his modern neighborhood as he has some issues at home with his parents they going through some stuff he got some issues he beefing with his teacher his homeboys and so he used these tools from the past to use them in the future and to help himself heal in a deal and it's it's a fun book um and it's just something that we put together to help those boys that's going through some stuff you know it's, it's for girls too and parents especially but timmy tutt is a little african-american boy and so we assume they we don't connect with them the most okay awesome now you know um my mastermind is you know if you're looking for a way to de-stress you're looking for a way to incorporate yoga and you know meditation and guided breathing and you know the breath work and getting in tune with your body i'm gonna drop all the links you know uh youtube you know all the podcast directories you know reach out to james reach out to him dm him on instagram reach out to him on the site you know get in contact with him or maybe you know a school maybe you know an institution that could use this reach out to him set up that recommendation let's do it so uh james is there is there anything that you kind of final words you, you want to let the guests know you want to let the audience know yeah whenever you act and think about Think about the future, man. Think about these kids, these youth. And uh, we know now that the mental health of our youth is gonna be totally different than ourselves. They just went through a pandemic. I couldn't imagine going, missing a whole year of school and being on the computer and stuff. So think about the mental health of your kids and what kind of problems, issues, solutions that are, are gonna be needed for, for them as they develop and stuff. And as always, you know, feel free to feel free. Feel free to feel free, man. I, that's that's the you you're gonna got you gonna have to get that one trademarked. Uh, if you hear somebody say feel free, uh, hey, 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 that's that's me right there. You gonna <laughs> right, man. Oh man. No, I wanna thank you too, man. Thank you for putting it together and reaching it out. What's up, man? Hold on. I'm gonna finish. Hey, what's going on? Right, I'm His name is Adonis. Oh, wow, that's a strong right. name, man. Yeah, man. But I, I want to thank you for putting this together, man, and reaching out and uh, and doing your thing with that. Man. So thank you for putting this together. No problem, man. Anytime. Until next time, the masterminders. Thank you for listening to the Mastermind Your Life podcast with Tolu Owoyemi. We hope you enjoy. Be sure to rate and review this podcast on your favorite listening platform and follow Tolu on Instagram at T-O-L-U dot O-W-O-Y-E-M-I. Keep mastering your life and we'll see you here next time.